Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley, and each week I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon prep, and they will share some things with us that we did not hear in the sermon. The goal of the podcast is to ask things like, why did our church need to hear this message on Sunday? Or, why did you personally need to preach this message? The pastors will also share some practical next steps. We're glad you're here listening. Here's my conversation with Pastor Joey. Hey, Joey. How are you doing? Hey, Claire. I'm doing great. I just hit inbox zero like five minutes ago. I have more emails in there now to clear out, but it felt good for me. It was five minutes of bliss, yes. It was. It was great. Yeah. Good. Well, uh, let's dive in and talk about Isaiah 53 verses 10 through 12 from this past Sunday. Why don't you give us a flyover of your sermon and uh, tell us one more time the type of pens that you use. (laughs) Yeah, so you're referring to the introduction there. Okay, so fly over the sermon. We were looking at the last stanza of this five-part, five-stanza servant song about Jesus, you know, 700 years before he was born. And in this one, um, it sort of echoes again themes from the beginning of the song of Jesus's exaltation, the servant's exaltation, as well as the price that he paid. So I really focused in on price. Um, and yeah, I was talking about pens. For the listener at home, I'm holding up a Zebra F301 0.7 millimeter a millimeter retractable ballpoint in stainless steel with black ink, which is very nice. I did have a few uh, people send me pen recommendations since Sunday. Really? Uh, so that was great. I have not yet committed to purchasing any pens yet. But What's the I most expensive one someone has sent you? Um, one person sent me pens that don't have the price on the website. Hmm. So that's I'm assuming sp- that's the most expensive one. Yep, that's a sign. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, well, why don't you connect this uh, illustration of the pen oh, to sure. your sermon? Right. So the, the, the basic point is like the more you love something, the more money you're willing to pay for it or the higher of a price you're willing to pay. And so the, the main point from the sermon is that uh, God, who loves us with an infinite love, is willing to, and not just willing to, but gladly will pay an infinite price for us. We see that come through in these verses. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Okay. So I would like to just remind our listeners that we publish sermon discussion questions every Sunday, or I mean, sorry, the week following the sermon, usually on Mondays, we put them out. It's linked underneath the podcast on the website. And maybe people either don't know they exist at all or have forgotten about them, but put them out for a variety of reasons. It could be used by a a community group or Bible study. could also just be used for families around the dinner table or husband and wife, or even just your own quiet time with the Lord. So uh, I just want to throw out one of the questions that you wrote, Joey, and throw it back to you. And Mm. I want to know how you answer it. So it's a connection to the application part of your sermon, which is an infinite love transforms us in some way. And you said in at least three ways. And so an infinite love should transform what you love, how you love, and who you love with. So would you just share with us what's one way God's transforming love has changed something that you love, how you love, or who you love with? Yeah, it's it's a tough question. Um, And, you know, kind of throughout tough questions because they should make us wrestle with our friends and with our family and one another in answering those questions. Um, I think I would say over the last, um, the last couple of years, I think I have really been challenged 
in loving in, in that first category of what or you know who I love, what I love. Um, challenged in loving well those who are, especially those who are different from me. Um, I'm a decently affluent, you know, middle-class white guy. And so there are whole swaths of the world and parts of the United States that just don't look like me. And I grew up in a community that entirely looks like me. Mm-hmm. And so um, it, the people who are different from me were just other for a huge part of my life trying to learn better how to love um, my brothers and sisters who have a different skin color than me, a different cultural background than me, a different, just are different from me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, you know, and it, it comes, it comes both from, from recognizing that, well, Jesus loves, uh, Jesus loves the people who are different from me just as much as he loves me. Like I'm not any more special or more lovely or more lovable or something like that. Um, uh, someone told me uh, a couple of months ago, they said it's, it's a lot like that moment. Um, almost all of us have this moment where we realize, you know, we travel around different places and we realize that people in other places speak English, but with a very different accent. Okay. And so at first, at first when you talk and you're in your own community, like you never, you, you don't know what an accent is because everybody talks the same way. And then you interact with people who have accents, who are different from you and you recognize how they're different. And then you get to a place where you're like, oh, in their community, I'm the one who's different. Like I'm the one with the accent. And suddenly realizing, oh, we all have, like there isn't one, you know, base neutral out of which all the others are evaluated. Like we're all, we all have accents, variations on this theme of being human. And I've been wrestling with that a lot in the last couple of years, uh, uh, realizing that, Jesus loves all of us equally, and so I should as well. Sure. And that connects to what you love or who you love, but then how are you doing that? You're trying to change, I guess, like you're making an effort. What does that look like practically? Yeah. um, For me, a big... uh, my, I'd say my social circles are fairly small anyway. Like I'm not the outgoing gregarious extrovert who just, nor am I the networker who knows people like everywhere in every organization and certain, you know, in place like, like uh, others that I know. Um, so for me, it's been a commitment in the last probably two years to uh, reading and interacting with ideas from people who are different than me. Sure. So like that's been my how, like, uh, uh, just a day or two ago, I had read about a new um, uh, African commentary on scripture um, from from the, I think it was called the Majority World uh, Scripture Commentary, and thinking, okay, great resource, I need to get my hands on that, I need to know how people different than me read the passages I'm reading, yes. and yeah. uh, because I don't even know what I'm bringing to the table, to the reading of Isaiah 53 that I'm just not even aware of, um, yeah. because yeah, I'm me. And so I want to hear how other people read things differently than me and, and, uh, and be challenged in thinking, well, okay, I don't think they're wrong any more than I think I'm wrong. I'm not sure they're right. I'm not sure I'm right. Um, but it's, it's really helpful. Mm-hmm. So yeah. To, yeah, learning to love others by um, reading from different perspectives is probably key for me. Great. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So let's move on to this um, extension of your application, which is we should be 
in the process of being transformed by this transforming love. And um, like, where does someone start to identify maybe a way that they need to love differently or what they love is maybe become too much of a big love. Like it's become equal or greater than God or um, like, what do you recommend? Where does, where's the starting point for somebody? Is it just reading the word of God more regularly? Is it talking with somebody else? Um, What do you think? Yeah, I think those, those are both great places to to start. Um, One of the, uh, early kind of key theologians in church history was a North African bishop, a guy named Augustine, and his sort of central understanding of what was wrong with humanity is that our big loves were little and our little loves are big, right? That, that our loves have gotten out of order. We should love God most of all and then others, and instead we love ourselves and we use people to get things we love. Anyway, yeah, love's totally all out of, out of whack, out of order. Um, but he had a, an interesting theory of how we change our loves. And a lot of it comes down to, and the church has echoed this for generations, it comes down to watching other people love well. Mm-hmm. Whether that is reading scripture and seeing how Jesus interacts with people in the gospels. Reading how does Jesus interact to um, the woman who is being socially ostracized because of her past indiscretions. Um, how does Jesus interact with the um, the medical case, the person who has been to doctor after doctor and has never been healed? How does Jesus interact with the person who is sitting, you know, off, uh, sitting on the pallet outside of Lowe's, just talking to himself? In a, you know, and it just kind of weird, and it makes you, feel, you know, how do you see Jesus having those interactions? And when we see that, what what we're loving the same people Jesus is in the same way Jesus is. And then what would we do when we see those things? How would we become friends? So seeing what he does, but then also one another, you know, seeing how older Christians further along in this journey, how are they loving and how do I learn to love the way they love? So a lot of it is watching and imitating. Um, Almost like, you know, um, like Hazel just turned three. Right. And Mm -hmm. she, she does a lot of like make believe and play like she, you know, she plays at being an adult. You play grown up, you play like you're making dinner and all that stuff. Um, and I don't mean we should play at being Christians in the sense of like, well, we're just faking it. I mean, we're practicing it like a child practices so that as we become an adult, we can do it well. Sure. Yeah. So practicing no longer is just practicing. It's a habit or it's our new nature of being. Yeah, right, yeah. right. Practicing, yeah, practicing in the sense of it could be in the sense of like practicing a sport where you go out and you do drills and repetitions so that when you get in the game, you know, yeah. you can execute well. I like practicing more like, um, more like when we talk about law or medicine, that you go this training and then you go practice law, you practice medicine, you practice faith, sure. um, you practice living that out, which is segue what our series in James is going to be about after Easter, practicing yes. faith. Yes. So, Looking you know, about. I do want to just bring it back to also back to your sermon. You mentioned like what's motivating us and why it's not um, so we can become more lovable. It's not for our own sake. Um, So why are we doing this? Because I don't want it to be like, oh, we're going to um, imitate somebody in order to become a better person just because that makes us good. Right. Right. Why are we doing this? What's motivating us to change? Yeah. What's motivating us to change, I think is, and I've heard another pastor put it this way is that we once we have had an experience of God's love for us, we live f- 
for the joy of bringing joy to the one who saved us, right? If, um, if we've experienced the love of God for us through Jesus, then the rest of our life is like, how do I, how do I, what do I do to make that person who gave so much for me? What do I do to make, how do I make them happy with me? Mm-hmm. And not in the sense of like, okay, how do I make God happy with me? How do I keep from getting in trouble? But just right. like, what, what in my life when I, when I do this, does it just make God's heart sing? Like that yes. is what my children should look like. That's what my yes. children should be. Right. And scripture says, do what pleases the Lord. Exactly. Right? Yeah. I had a mentor in college that said something like I looked, you know, for all the possible or the places in scripture that says do what pleases the Lord or, and this pleases the Lord phrases like that. And he's like, that's what I want to like have stick out to me so that mm-hmm. I can um, then in turn, do those things right so right um, it's like yeah, I, I referenced Psalm 51 you know you delight in truth in our inward beings uh, David writes and it's a lot like again like your kid like you you know when you're when your kid um, cleans their room without you having to ask um, it's not like okay you're good great now I don't have to make you it's like oh wow they did they did something they knew would please you just for the sake of pleasing you uh, which is great yeah. Or when you're, you know, when you come home from work and your kid runs and gives, wants to give you a hug, it's just delightful. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks, Joey. Thanks for this conversation. Well, thank you. And thanks for doing it with Addie on your lap. Yes. Um, She's super cute. She's I delightful. mean, I should say props for being able to give me clear and concise answers <laughs> while staring at a drooling child. <laughs> oh, she's super cute. She, she just keeps staring at the ceiling like, what's yes. up there? Um, and then my drool tastes so good. I'm going to lick it up. Uh, it's on uh, my calf drool half snot because it's just continuous. Oh, down so it's salty. <laughs> mm, we've all been there. Oh, man. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If this conversation has blessed you in any way, we encourage you to consider sharing it with others. If you ever wish to submit questions to our pastors following their Sunday sermon, you can email your questions to podcast at faithliveitout.org, and we'll do our best to cover the question in the episode. We'll be back again next week. Thanks for listening.